Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey, Brett. Yes, Damien. Hey, uh, I'm going to go to Ikaria again. And, uh, and Marcus is going as well. And we're going to take 20 people with us to Ikaria to learn more about longevity. If any of our listeners would love to come along to Ikaria with us, then just go to 100notout.com.au, I think it is, and, uh, and check us out. See if it's for you. See if you'd like to come with us because this episode is brought to you by the 100 Not Out Longevity Tour. Hi, this is Damien Christoph. And this is Brett Hill. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Great chat today. Really good chat. Fast paced. You're going to have to oh. uh, slow it down. You know, sometimes you've got to speed it up, but sometimes mm. um, I think like this one, Ross Walker, who joins us again, just rattled off so much great stuff. Didn't he? So much research, so much information, so many supplements and, and things you can think about in terms of your health that you'll probably want to listen a couple of times and take a few notes, I reckon. Mm-hmm. He gets a little bit contentious in there too, doesn't he? Like he pokes a stick at uh, the Friends of Science in um, – actually, Friends of Selective Medicine. I like that better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's better, much better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it really gives a good argument about the way in which you know, rules are applied to pharmaceutical drugs – um, and nutritional supplements. Like, it's a really interesting approach that he takes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He thinks that Cairo is the only musculoskeletal, though, Damo, so we'll have to teach him a bit about the neurology, that's but that's okay. Yeah. He did have a lot of good information, so we'll let him off that one little yeah, one. we'll let him off that one. There was something else he said towards the end that was a little bit contentious that was dangerous. What was that? You, oh. you, you, uh, you actually wrote in the chat saying... <laughs> Dangerous unless it's for chi- unless chiropractic. Oh, he was talking about X-rays. He's talking about X-rays being oh, safe above the age of fifty yeah. something. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And we just we were just commenting and joking about that because obviously the chiropractor is having a bit of stick at the moment, being selectively targeted to not be able to refer for X-rays, which is interesting, or not be able to have them covered by Medicare at the very least. Yeah. So it's um it's but an interesting he, time at the moment. But he said that X-rays were safe. Yeah, mm. he said that over the over over the age of fifty, I think he said. So. Uh, it's interesting because X-rays have never been shown to be dangerous. It's just an assumption. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, never there been proven to be dangerous. It's just an assumption. So um, we have to. Uh, we, got, you know, we got some work to do, Damo. About that, we do have lots of work to do. Maybe we should interview Heidi Harvick or maybe one of those amazing researchers. Yeah, uh, Kelly Holt. That'd be great. Let's do, let's do that. Anyway, we better get onto this interview, Damo. Yes, it's a good one. Let's it get is into a it. Good one. Great one. Excellent one. Yeah, really enjoy it. <laughs> uh, you win. <laughs> hey, another great interview today with uh, with Dr. Ross Walker. We've had him on the show before a long time ago, actually. Um, but it's great to bring him back on to talk about energy because a lot of people are tired these days, Brett, aren't they? They are. They are. Well, I had a big weekend, Damo, engagement parties and traveling to Melbourne and back. And so I'm, I'm keen to find out some more about energy this week. Mm, nice. Well, uh, let's not go too far into it. We'll uh, we'll bring Ross onto the call. Ross, it's great to have you back on the Wellness Guys show. Thanks for joining us today. My absolute pleasure, Damien and Brett. Ross, um, energy is a big deal. Um, heaps of people are tired. They go for coffee. They chase sugar. They eat sweet sweet carbs or sweet fats. I mean, and and they're not getting anywhere. They're getting fatter and sicker. But uh, it doesn't really have to be that difficult, does it? What's what's the deal with this low energy with people today? Well, one of the deals is, and I say this all the time, that our bodies are only designed to work 
well physiologically up to about 30 and it's all downhill from there so no high performance athlete is as good in his 30s as he or, or she in their 20s and and the reason being is the body starts wearing out from about age 30 and and because of our modern living we're now living double a use by date so when you get to 50 and the hormones go south which they do in everybody that's when you really start to feel tired but when i talk about energy there are really five categories of energy the first one is the modern world which is stress so people work too hard they play too hard they don't get enough sleep so therefore they're going to feel tired and i reckon we should divide our energy into really three components firstly there's about eight hours of active energy during the day which is why on average we work for about eight hours eight hours of relaxation energy which is why you need to relax for those eight hours not go and just keep pushing yourself when people say to me i work a 14 hour day doctor i say well you're an idiot because you don't need (laughs) you don't need to work that much you shouldn't be working that much and it's bad for your body it's like the people like a badge of honor they say i haven't had a holiday for 10 years what a fool are you Uh, i mean that's what who wins doing that yes nobody at all so you need that about eight hours of work eight hours of, of relaxation and about eight hours of sleep seven to eight hours of sleep so so stress is the major cause of lack of energy in our modern society i'll get under things we can do about it in a second number two is the the definite disease depression now your best friend dies and you're upset that's not depression that is grief or loss completely different depression is a is a chemical disorder of the brain where the brain chemicals drop you lose all the happy chemicals and you get all the stress chemicals overtaking your brain and you feel tired you lose your zing for life and typically you wake up at two or three in the morning staring at the ceiling for about an hour they're the three cardinal symptoms of endogenous or chemical depression mm. the second cause in the category of fatigue or mm. any, or lack of, lack of energy probably the the commonest cause when we're talking about medical causes stress depression and then the third one is which is probably the commonest one which all adult males have and all postmenopausal females have which is sleep apnea now sleep apnea can typically is obstructive sleep apnea where the airway blocks as you get as you get off into a deep sleep it also can be a bit of central sleep apnea as well but sleep apnea is absolutely 100 uh, percent in all males and especially if those males are silly enough to go and get themselves written off overnight the alcohol makes the sleep apnea worse might get you off to sleep but it gives you really bad sleep apnea which is one of the reasons not the entire reason one of the reasons is people get that horrible hangover feeling or hangover feeling the next day because they've had really bad sleep apnea it's also the, the poisons in the alcohol as well of course but sleep sleep apnea is a big cause of fatigue and and the the big symptom of sleep apnea is not how loud you snore, but the big symptom is when you wake up in the morning after what you perceive to be seven to eight hours of a relatively decent sleep, you feel completely washed out and feel tired during the day, drift off, uh, You might, especially after lunch, you might sit there and your, your head's nodding, you're in a meeting, you go to sleep, that's sleep apnea. The fourth category is what I basically inferred at the start. When the hormones go south, when females go through menopause or males go through andropause, you also lose energy. And we're focusing more on the hormonal effects of that as well. And the fifth cause you guys alluded to in the introduction is some sort of disease. So, for example, a very common symptom of cardiovascular disease, the onset of a ruptured plaque, is you feel dog tired. You might have a thyroid problem. 
you might be iron deficient. Uh, but even, even an autoimmune disease, a very common symptom of an autoimmune disease such as rheumatoid arthritis is marked fatigue. So when people feel a fatigue over and above what you'd expect. So if you've had a full day of, of working very, very hard or you've just run a marathon, you're supposed to feel tired over the, after those sort of things. That's, you've depleted your energy and you need to restore your energy. But there are many other things you can do. It And also in our modern world, when we're talking about diseases, also the treatment of diseases can do it as well. So I'm a great critic of the, the excessive prescription of statin drugs to lower cholesterol. And statin drugs can make people feel tired. Beta blockers can make feel t- people feel tired. Many of the drugs we use to treat mental illness can make people feel tired. Many of the treatments we use for autoimmune disease can make people feel tired. So, so you can see there's a, a ubiquitous uh, group of causes of fatigue. Then you're left with that ragbag diagnosis, which we're starting to understand a lot better of chronic fatigue syndrome, which is something you might want to talk about as well. Mm. But that that's really... A, a diagnosis of exclusion when when you've excluded all of the other things I've just spoken about. Oh, Ross, there's so much information in there. There's so many questions what, I want to ask you about that. What a way to start. I'll go right. I'm going to go right back to the start because the one thing that you said kind of stuck in my head and uh, you know, it didn't make me feel depressed but maybe made me feel a little bit sad was that you said that once we get past 30, that's it, we're, we're going downhill. I mean, when we look at some of the societies around the world, I know Damien's travelled to Ikaria and looked at the centenarians over there who are seemingly living quite healthy and thriving to quite an old age. How does that fit with you saying sort of once we get to 30, we're not really designed to live and thrive any any longer beyond that? Oh, no, no, you can thrive but what I'm saying, and this is absolutely obvious, you go to Ikaria, you go to Okinawa, you go to Sardinia, you go to Costa Rica, you go to look at the Seventh-day Adventists, all of the blue zones around the world where people have enormous longevity, still no one at 100 looks as good as they did at 80, and no one at 80 looks as good as they did at 60. No one at 40 looks as good as they did at 20, because the body is actually wearing out from age 30. But it doesn't mean you can't do something about it. There are so many things you can do about it, but you just have to accept that you're not going to look as good, and your organs are still, 40-year-old organs aren't the same as 20-year-old organs. They just don't work as well. That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I have noticed that a few things in my body since I've turned 44 haven't worked as well as what they did last year in 43. So there's definitely an aging process. Ross, um, many people are trying to do lots and lots of things to decrease their fatigue. You know, it could be that they go for more exercise, they do more runs. It could be that they uh, try to eat better food or they do a detox or they've gone to eat um, a particular style of, of eating. Um, but you're suggesting that unless they identify uh, the, which cause it is, they could be just barking up the wrong tree. Is that what you're saying? Like, is, is oh yeah, that- that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. okay. See, a lot of people say I'm tired, um, and so therefore I'm going to take a tonic to feel better. And I'm saying there's nothing wrong with doing that once you've excluded all of the causes and, and even even then some some people have to work 9 10 11 hours a day and they feel tired after doing that so it doesn't hurt to take some sort of tonic that we'll get onto in a second that that will pick you up and give you more energy but but what i'm saying is don't always blame it on just the extra work you're doing you might have a disease that you're ignoring 
So, for example, if you're iron deficient, you could be bleeding from a polyp in your colon that could turn malignant. So if you don't go and have the appropriate test to see if you're iron deficient, so and that's not just a hemoglobin, a full blood count. You've got to have specific iron levels measured. So I've had a number of patients who've come to me and said, oh, doc, I'm short of breath, I'm tired, and, and it must be my heart doing it because you go and see a cardiologist, that's the typical conversation you have. <laughs> but then I, I check them. I check their ferritin levels, which is an indication of iron stores, and their ferritin levels are incredibly low. Nothing wrong with their heart. And, they, and I've figured out that they've either bled from their stomach or they bled from a polyp. We fixed up the problem to stop them getting a say, a cancer down the track. So, so you, you've got to realise, and we all have to realise that symptoms are nature's ticket into the system. You don't ignore symptoms and you don't just rush off to your local health food store and pick up the, the best tonic for whatever because you've got a symptom. When, when you have a symptom, it's always the responsibility of a doctor to figure out what the cause of that symptom is and then offer appropriate treatment and then also supportive therapy that may help uh, fi fix up your symptoms symptoms such as fit fatigue, there are things you can do for that. But but also what I say to people is that doctors aren't as powerful as, as we think we are. The most powerful thing anyone can do for their health in, in uh, and we mentioned before, Brett mentioned before about places like Icarea, the most powerful thing anyone can do for their health is practice what I call the five keys of being healthy. And I'll go through those quickly. Number one, you cannot be healthy and have any addiction. So anyone who smokes is sick. Anyone who drinks too much grog is sick. Anyone who uses an illegal drug is sick. That's it. Number one, that, and so you've got to get rid of addictions. Number two, and we've already alluded to this, is develop a good quality sleep habit because seven to eight hours of good quality sleep is as good for your body as not smoking. Number three is eating. And, and this has been shown in a lot of anti-aging uh, research as well, that the more people eat, the quicker they age. So I know I'm not suggesting we should be calorie restrictors because I think that's going the other way and that's ridiculous, but just cut back on your food by about a third, eat more natural food. That's all you need to know about it, nutrition. It's all this low-fat nonsense is now in the dustbin of medical history. It's just called eat less and eat more naturally. Number four is what I call the second best drug on the planet, which is to have a three to five hour exercise habit that should be, in my view, two thirds cardio and a third resistance training. And then finally, the best drug on the planet, and the thing that's going to make, give you energy and make you feel great is a thing called happiness. So if you do those five things well, that's been shown in a number of studies to reduce your risk for all diseases somewhere between 70 to 80% and it gives you more energy. Hey, Ross, you know, you're talking about people going and getting tested and, and checking out all these different things. And I think sometimes people are a bit confused about who they know need to go and see. I mean, can they just go and see their regular GP um, or do they need to go and see an integrative GP? Do they need to see a naturopath? Do they need to see a chiropractor? Or is it kind of a little bit of all of the above? Oh, it's probably a bit of all of the above, but I've, I've got to say, being, being a, a cardiologist, my, my bent is always for people to have their general practitioner. A good general practitioner is the first port of call, and then, and then if they're not getting satisfaction there, to go and, and see maybe an integrative GP or a naturopath, uh, I, I wouldn't say to go and see a chiropractor as the first port of call because that's for musculoskeletal work. So, so, so to me, the, a good GP should always be the first port of call when you have a symptom. 
that the GP sorts out the symptom, and then I, I I always think it's best that good doctors work with good with other good health practitioners. I think that's where the system works at its best. I, as a cardiologist, I have a lot of trusted naturopaths, and I say to I say to people, look, I think your condition is much better managed by a mat- naturopath than by me. Go and see person X, and I think that's the best way to do it. But I always believe, as a doctor, the doctor should be the first port of call, and then from there you see what goes on. Triage it. Triaging is a good idea. There are, there's not many like you though, Ross, is there? Like, let's be honest. There's not, there's not a lot of open-minded general practitioners or integrated GP. You know, there's there's not a lot around that uh, will, you know. Uh, well, you in- see, but that's the problem with the world. The world's being run. I mean, we've got a world now where Donald Trump is the president of the United <laughs> States of America. I mean, in trouble. you think you think about it, you think look look at the political situation. I mean, there's a whole lot of conservative people, and I'm not talking about the conservative side of politics. I'm I'm talking about conservative people who just want to keep the status quo as it is. Yeah. And and if you think about the the greatest minds in history, the people who've really made a difference, they've always bucked the system. Yeah. There's a, a guy called Galileo was excommunicated by the Pope for daring to suggest that the planets revolved around the sun. Um, a guy called Jesus Christ was crucified 2,000 years, years ago for disagreeing with conservatives. And this has been the history of the world, that the people who've really made a difference have have said to conservative thinkers, you've got to start thinking differently. There's a, there's a group of people in Australia who call themselves the friends of science in medicine. Yeah. And and they're, they're the most unscientific people I've ever met. They, they have no, they're not looking at the good evidence <laughs> for all of the complementary therapies. They just think com- complementary medicine's an evil that should be banned. You can only fix things with a script pad or a scalpel. Yeah. And, and it's just such narrow-minded thinking where they refuse to look at the evidence. I'll just give you one quick example. There's a little-known place in America called Harvard University. <laughs> and um, Harvard, Harvard's been doing for the last 30 years the Nurses' Health Study, the Male Physicians' Trial, I have not heard anyone apart from me in the ma- in the mainstream medical media talking about the fact that a couple of years ago the the randomized controlled trial of taking a multivitamin every day in the male doctors after 20 years showed a 44% reduction in cardiovascular disease. Jeez. I've not heard anyone talk about that. No, I, but that's no, just one either. example. Wow, where did no, that it's come only, from? It's only, it's only 44% though, Ross. I mean, that's, you it's know, less than yeah, though, Ross. that's more than a statin. Really? That's, that's more than a statin. Um, <laughs> so, so, but no one is talking about this because they don't want it because it destroys their argument. Yeah. So, so this is the problem. It's called selective medicine, where you you pick out the stuff, the cherry pick the stuff that suits your argument, and you don't you don't talk about the totality of science that's there. Maybe that's and what and you see. I say this for. about FOSA might stand for friends of selective medicine. Maybe that's what that it is instead of uh... your friends of selective medicine. Yeah, that's right. We, we <laughs> see this is this, and I talk about this all the time that. Pharmaceutical medicine is like a high-performance motor car. Get you from A to B very quickly, but with the potential of crashing and killing yourself. So you need very strong safety devices within the car, including the seatbelt and the crash device and everything else. And you need strong rules to control the way people drive. Whereas complementary medicine, in my view, is like a bicycle. Gets gets you from A to B much slower, but you get some exercise along the way, and the and the the risk is so much less of complementary medicine. But it takes longer to get there, so you can't have the same rules for the bicycle that you have for the car. But these fools and the friends of science in medicine demand the same rules, and it just isn't logical. Yeah, great argument. That's a great, so, that's the best one I've heard. 
I like it too. Thanks. It was a good analogy. Hey, uh, Ross, um, there's a lot of people out there probably wondering about their GP now, thinking, well, how do I know if my GP is open-minded enough to order the right test and to do the right things for me? And, and also, if they think that maybe they're not, where do they go to find the right GP who's going to take a more open-minded view, who is going to look at all the science and be open to all the possibilities of how they can get healthy again? You know, this is a question people ask me all the time and I'd I'd love to have a magical answer. But the best thing I say to people is you need to talk to the people in your area, the people you know, your friends, your associates and say, okay, what's your, if you're not happy with your GP, what's your GP like? What do they do for you? Um, how open-minded are they? How, have they, it's, it's just asking around. It's like anything. There are, there are great GPs. There are bad GPs. There are great integrative docs. There are bad integrative docs. There are great mechanics. There are bad mechanics. And it's just a matter of asking around till you find someone who, who can say to you, yeah, that guy's great. I couldn't, couldn't imagine not going to him. He's fantastic or her. Oops, sorry, push my button. Ross, um, <laughs> I know that uh, there's groups out there, obviously there's ACNAM, Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. Can the average punter call up those places and ask them to? Like, it, it, I mean, that sometimes bypasses because there are communities. And look, I'm, I'm a chiropractor, I'm a naturopath, I'm a nutritionist. And so I've got some good skills, but I'll go to my local GPs and have a chat with them and say, hey guys, here I am, this is what I do. And they, they say, well, you're a chiropractor, we don't want anything to do with you. And so I'm kind of going, ah, oh, what am I supposed to do? How do I? How do we get through that? Is Actum a good place for people to go to to ask questions? Well, I think Actum's good. The, the so Actum's a great, great institution. The National Institute of Integrated Medicine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, in Melbourne. So, so I, I just think it's a matter of asking around and doing. There's a wonderful thing called Google. You yes. Google these things, and, and they and you can get a lot of information from Google. Uh, people come into me all the time, and I've got this cup in my um in my clinic and, uh, that I drink my tea out of, and it says, "Please do." not confuse your Google search with my medical degree um, and, and I think it's an important thing that That's what great. Google does is give you some ideas but yeah. it doesn't give you perspective and so but, but like it. look it's just called researching and, and there's a wonderful saying the squeaky wheel will get the oil so if people people look hard enough they'll get what they need I can assure you yeah I like it Ross uh, Ross with regards to energy um, you talked about a tonic before um, what are the sorts yeah. of things obviously if you've got apnea then that's a medical condition someone's going to need to get a CPAP machine for example what's an, you know there's obviously sure. other treatments but what sorts of things can people do if they exclude all those things okay well well as i said first thing make a diagnosis once that's been made and just just say the the doctor doesn't find anything particular that's concerning but you're still feeling a bit tired something that i find extremely useful is is to look at the mitochondria now what what's the mitochondria now you guys know but for the people listening the mitochondria is the fuel pack in the cell that creates energy so it doesn't matter what sort of car you drive if you haven't got any fuel in the cell or you haven't got the right energy source the car's not going to move so you need to get a good energy a good source of energy in your mitochondria now the mitochondria makes a thing called ATP from oxygen and glucose one of the major drivers of that mitochondrial chain reaction is a thing called ubiquinol ubiquinol is the active version of CoQ10 so most people have heard of coenzyme Q10 but the problem is that most coenzyme Q10 that you buy is in an inactive form called ubiquinone and when when that gets into the body it always 
has to be converted to ubiquinol to do its stuff. And here's the problem. When you hit 30 and the body starts to wear out, so does this enzyme called diaphorase that converts you from ubiquinone to ubiquinol. So I say, well, just cut out the middleman, take ubiquinol. So I, I think for, for people, especially when you hit about 30 and you're losing a bit of energy, if you are, start taking ubiquinol. Really, all people over the age of 50, in my view, should be taking ubiquinol. I take it every day for energy. If you're on a statin, and I can, I can say proudly I'm not because I have no muck in my arteries. I've had my coronary calcium score and it's zero at the age of 61. What? But if, if you're on a statin drug to lower your cholesterol, and in my view, the only people who should be taking statins, because Damo does a lot for your work because the statins ruin your muscles. Um, so a lot of people come to a chiropractor to get their muscles fixed up. But, yes. but if you have to take a statin, and these are the only people who should take it, people who've already had a heart attack, heart attack, a stent or a bypass, or an equivalent like a atherosclerotic stroke, or on a coronary calcium score, which is a CT scan that takes a picture of your heart, if you have a high coronary calcium score, so anything may, maybe say above 100, depending on your age, if you're 70 and your score is 150, I couldn't care less. But if, if you're a 50-year-old man, your score's, say, getting towards 100 or above 100, I would use a statin in those people. I Now, again, when we're talking about statins, Lipitor and Zocor, the fat-soluble statins, it's a Torvastatin and Simvastatin, in my view, should not be prescribed because they, I, I believe they have much more pervasive long-term effects. I only prescribe Resuvastatin, Crestor, or Pravastatin, Pravacol. Now, Pravacol is the weakest of the four, so that's my favoured one. But if people have coronary disease, I try to target their cholesterol below 4, their HDL above 1.5, and their triglycerides below 1. That's the target levels I go for. Uh, if they don't have coronary disease, so their, their calcium score is low or zero, or they've never had a heart problem, I, wouldn't, I don't even think about their cholesterol. But if you're on a statin, statins directly deplete ubiquinol levels in your mitochondria and can contribute to fatigue, muscle aches and pains, stiffness, weakness, cramping, loss of muscle bulk in about, I think, about 20% of people who take them. But I think it has an effect on the mitochondria in all people, so therefore take your ubiquinol. If you have heart failure, that also makes you tired, but taking ubiquinol can improve the pumping action in your heart as well. So, so ubiquinol to me is a good thing to take. And another thing that I suggest, which is another little trick, there's a wonderful supplement called magnesium orotate. Now, it's got to be the orotate salt, not just general magnesium, because the orotate lifts up the ubiquinol levels in the mitochondria. So I always combine magnesium orotate with ubiquinol, and it's terrific for fatigue, people with chronic fatigue or just people who are tired for other reasons or want a bit more energy. And, and also, it's good, in my view, to take a multivitamin in the morning because the multivitamin gives you those B-group vitamins, which is great for the brain and, and helps you think better and, and, and gives you a little bit more energy. So there's just a few tips for people to, to get more energy in terms of the tonics they can take. Ross, there's some great information there. Um, obviously, some great solutions there for people who have got heart issues if your calcium score is high. If people are concerned that their calcium score is high, obviously, good idea to go and get it checked. Um, but what else can they do in terms of lifestyle-related stuff to try and um, to keep that low or perhaps even bring it back down again? Well, 
Look, the calcium itself is not the problem. It's a marker for how much fat you've got. So I don't care about people changing their calcium score. It's just telling me there's fat in the arteries. I want to get the fat out of the arteries. So practicing those five keys of being healthy is the most important thing. And I think another great supplement is a thing called Bergamet Pro Plus, which has it. The Bergamet Pro Plus comes from Calabrian oranges, the Bergamot oranges. It's got to be that particular Bergamet, in my view, because it's, it's the only stuff that's been researched. They, the people who are not using the Bergamet Pro Plus are using other Bergamot derivatives come from different areas of Italy and the stuff doesn't work as well. So the Bergamet Pro Plus has been shown to reduce the, well, to improve your arterial health by improving arterial elasticity. It converts your cholesterol. And here's now, everyone's getting this wrong. Everyone thinks there's a bad cholesterol called LDL and a good cholesterol called HDL. That is not accurate. LDL and HDL are divided into small bits and large bits, and this is where size is important. The small bits are bad for you, the large bits are good for you. And what what the Bergamet does is shift you from the small bits to the large bits. We have published data on this. Mm. So I, I think, again, everyone over the age of 50 should be on Bergamet Pro Plus twice a day to keep their arteries healthy, to protect them against diabetes, to protect them against fatty liver. One in four people have a fatty liver, another cause of tiredness. So so, so there are so many things you can do. Lifestyle is, is king, in my view. You can take appropriate supplements, such, such as a good multi vitamins and omega-3s which we haven't even spoken about uh, the ubiquinol of course which will give you energy and especially if you're on a statin the bergamet pro plus twice a day uh, and then, then there's uh, the new kit on the block which we haven't mentioned is vitamin k2 now that's not for mm. energy but what vitamin k2 does is take the calcium out of your arteries and puts it back in the bones so you get two bangs for your buck with that one as well you can now and take also vitamin some... d can't you that's that comes with your d and your k together so i like that. oh Oh, absolutely. And vitamin D is really important. Getting your D D levels up can help fatigue. It can also help your bone strength, your muscle strength, reduce your risk for cancer, for heart disease, multiple sclerosis, type 2 diabetes. So many things we're seeing now. Uh, I'm talking on my radio show on Sunday night about how vitamin D is also good to help prevent the the nasty side effects of lupus. So so it's really important to have good vitamin D levels as well. And another... another, uh, the substance that's really getting, I think, some good press is the Kyolic Age garlic extract as well. Yeah. Uh, and that, and I, I interviewed a fellow on my radio show as a mate of mine from California, Professor Matt Budoff, one of the top preventative cardiologists in the US. And he's done some really seminal work showing reversal of coronary disease with Kyolic Age garlic. So, so there's quite a few hints there for good cardiovascular health. And, and look, I'm not against statins. Don't, I don't want anyone out there to think I'm anti-statin. I'm just anti, anti-statin for people who don't need it and and we just and what happens now is many people go into a doctor their cholesterol nudges up a little bit and they're immediately put onto a damn statin and there's no justification for that at all i treat risk not cholesterol and i do, i assess someone's level of risk all males at 50 coronary calcium score all females at 60 but if a 50 year old woman comes into me with a high cholesterol and the and she said oh my gp wants to give me a statin the first thing i do is a calcium score at age 50 i don't do it in 35 year olds i think that's wrong because 
and this is something a lot of people don't realise, the body is sensitive to radiation up to about 50. After 50, you lose the sensitivity. Now, I'm not suggesting if you stand outside the Fukushima nuclear plant when it erupts, it's not going to hurt you if you're 55. But what I'm saying is things like low-dose CT scans and x-rays over the age of 50 will not increase your cancer risk, but up to the age of 50 will do so. So we've got to try and minimise the radiation we expose people to up to the age of 50 because of the potential increased cancer risk. Wow. What a massive, massive podcast. There's just been so much information, Ross. Thanks so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your knowledge with us on the Wellness Guys show. It's been, uh, it's been insightful for us, and definitely our listeners will have loved all of the information you've shared with us, Ross. Um, is there anything, can people find you anywhere, Ross? Where can they find you if they need to find you? Well, there's, there's two things. There's um, my website, which is drrosswalker.com, and I've got a, I've started a new company called Walker-Wellbeing, or Walker Wellbeing, where I'm now um, I'm be introducing high-quality, high-premium supplements into China, India, and the Middle East. I can't do it in Australia, guys, yeah. because you know what? Doctors can't endorse supplements in Australia. I don't make the rules. I, I'd much and look. I don't know what you guys think, but I'd much prefer a trusted doctor who actually believes in the stuff like I do, being able to endorse the supplements rather star. than a sportsman who knows nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't make the rules. This yeah. is the problem with brain dead conservatives. They make the rules, and uh, I just have to play the game. Yeah, we'll keep playing it. We're playing it too, Ross. So uh, keep on going. Keep working hard. Eventually, there'll be some sense brought into this uh, this country of ours, Australia. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au and to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.